ish there it is hey here we are it's tuesday we're back and we have a return guest somebody who was here before and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun uh talking about polyamory the law how to protect yourselves legally all right let's just jump right in we're gonna have fun today practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory the mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful Tuesday. Uh, before we jump in, chat with our awesome guests, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all social media platforms, especially on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm most active, but you can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A, even TikTok. That's a lot of fun. Uh, following and sharing our content is a f- easy, free way to support the show. And speaking of free ways to support the show, the best way is to share it, share it, share it, share it, share it far and wide. Uh, encourage all the poly folks, you know, to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you download the podcast. Uh, if I could get, you know, whatever. Um, so please, if you find value in what we're doing here, share it with your polycule, share it with your friends, and especially share it in your Facebook groups all over the interwebs. And of course, don't forget to subscribe wherever it is that you download your podcasts. Lastly, as always, want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a welcomed guest to be on this show. I'm going to change things up a little bit and just say that my mission is to get as many differing and inclusive voices on this show, because the more stories we hear, the more representation we have, the more others see that we're human, just like them, and the better we can serve our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up today for the last few spots available in season one, ending October 31st of this year. All right. That's all we got uh, for that spiel. Now, the best part, introducing our guest. Our guest today is back for round two. We had this awesome guest on the show back in April. We got to hear some fun personal stories. Uh, If you want to know more about that, go check out episode 40. Today, we're going to dive deeper into strategies to protect your chosen family and polycule. Now, remember that our guest is not that stuffy attorney with a fancy office and mahogany desk. She might have one. I'm not sure. But she's web-based, and she knows as well or better than the rest of us that traditional legal services don't always work for us polyam folks. So she's helping her poly clients with creative flexible tools to suit your unique goals and values. Today, we get to learn more about what those tools are. Joining us today from Chosen Family Law out of Austin, Texas, welcome back to the show, Stacy McLarty. Woohoo! Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, it's my pleasure. Uh, really, you know, it was really nice to get to know you the first time that we had you on. We got to dive deep into your personal story. Uh, the thing that stands out to me because it's such a, I don't know, I don't know how unique it is. Uh, you know, I would love to hear from our, from our audience how unique this might be, but you married a partner that you were with for a shorter time than another, uh, significantly so. So I, I just, I admire that. I think it's really cool. Uh, part of you know what we're able to do with with polyamory um and you know today again we're diving into this idea of protecting our families protecting our polycules so i'm going to start with just asking what does that mean what does it mean to protect 
our chosen family? Well, I, I will start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you should like act like everybody's out to screw you. Uh, part of my personal mission is to be an attorney who doesn't suck. And so, <laughs> you know, my, my advice to clients is not, uh, not to act like everybody's out to get you and try and, you know, uh, do an agreement that's going to stop anything bad from ever happening to you. Mm -hmm. Um, really what I think protecting your, your poly family and yourself is making agreements when you are not in a state of conflict, hopefully, and being able to bring your best and most loving and thoughtful self to the table. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to, to protect your family and, and the people you love. One of the things that we always mention is that it's it's about being proactive it's about having these discussions and what you said just now is having these discussions when we're in a good place and coming to them from a place of love can you tell me about a time when that is exactly what you saw that's exactly what you helped uh some of your clients do tell me about a time when that happened and what they learned from it, what you were able to take away from it. Yeah. Um, actually most of my clients come to me proactively. Uh, they've entered into a relationship that's, that's starting to get serious. Uh, you know, it's not the first weeks of dating or anything, but they're looking at moving in together or, um, you know, maybe buying a house together, or maybe they have kids that they're raising together. So they're coming to me saying, you know, what should we do essentially to make a, our family legally, um, protected and and be able to do the things that we want to do as a family mm -hmm. so um you know so the kind of things that a lot of people start with is just um like how do you live together um mm -hmm. if you move in together um a lot of times like the, there's a couple who owns the house and then somebody moves in a partner of one or both of them and so the first thing to start with is maybe just have a real rental agreement and have two things, the real rental agreement and then like the living together agreement. So like a real rental agreement protects everybody because it kind of sets out what the legal expectations are. And um, and also like if you decide not to live together, it gives that person who's renting like a rental history mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that they can go to their next place and say, you know, nice. there's, there's not this big gap in, in my living situation. Right, right. And then um, the living together thing is more of an informal document, like how are our tours going to be done? How are we going to you know, keep the common areas, that sort of thing? And it seems really basic, but I think a lot of people move in together and they are just, they're so in love and they're so happy and they don't think <laughs> about these things. Um, but, you know, they, they do put the pause on when they ask me about it and say, you know, what can we do? And these are the two big things I suggest. You're right that a lot of people will just jump into living together, you know, especially during those times when they're deeply in love already. And uh, they won't think about those, 
that type of a living agreement, and especially, you know, when we're talking about multiple people, you know, a, a third person joining a couple is pretty common or two couples coming together and creating a household. I had a guest on who uh, did that. And there were a total of 12 kids at any given time uh, in the house. Lot, lots of fun there, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> what are, you know, when, when, when we're coming together and maybe we're not thinking about those things because we're just thinking about how in love we are, what are some of those basic things that should be in a living together agreement? Um, a lot of people do like to spell out some sort of chore routine. Hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a source of friction for a lot of people. No, not just poly people, but, you know, uh, couples as well. Um, just like how often do we want to get together and make sure that the house is tidy? Mm -hmm. What about guests that come over? Pets is another big thing. Um, a lot of folks move in with their pets, but do you acquire new pets? Um, who's responsible for damage if the pet um, you know, causes some damage? Those are the kind of things that are worthwhile talking about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you can just kind of Google, uh, Google what goes wrong with roommate situations. <laughs> and like, there's your list of topics right there. Got it. And again, this isn't a legal document. It's not like, you know, somebody's going to get evicted based on their cat or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, but it, having these discussions reduces the friction and reduces the chance that you're going to have some sort of legal dispute in the future. So it's not a legal document. It's not something that outlines reasons why somebody would get evicted because of their cat. Um, but it does spell out you said chores is a big one. Uh, what about when it comes to money and, you know, if we are deciding whether or not to, well, you know what, let me, let me ask it this way instead. What are some strategies that you recommend for your clients when it comes to when they're moving in together, how they should handle their finances? Right. So the money part should probably go into the official legal rental document. And okay. like here in Texas, you can actually just go to the real estate commission, which is a state agency and just download like a sample form. This isn't something that you have to have a lawyer for. You can just fill in the blanks. So how much money somebody's supposed to pay per month, that should be in the legal document. And then, you know, people who are moving in together as far as sharing finances, um, you know, getting a shared bank account and deciding like how you're going to put money into that. And also as far as paying rent or contributing to household expenses, um, you know, you can decide, um, do you want to do it equally? Each person pays the same amount or equitably, mm -hmm. which means like if somebody makes a really high salary, they pay more. If somebody makes a lower salary, they pay less. And neither one of these is like morally superior to the other. It just matters if you're all on the same page about expectations. And speaking of expectations, um, you sent me something today. You sent me a nice little little blurb. Uh, it was pretty great that you, you had some interaction with uh, your clients, friends, etc. on Facebook. Uh, and one of them had a really interesting point. She said, you know, you guys are uh, talking about, I, I, it seems like you're talking about, she's talking about uh, attorneys, that attorneys talk about marriage, whether or not to get a prenup and separate bank accounts, um, talk about kids, leaving a clear plan for the future. But then she goes and does a tangent and kind of threw me off. I wasn't expecting this. So we're talking milestones. These are 
these are big topics to be, these are big conversations to be having with our partners. Um, so in the, on the subject of milestones, when do we start having these kinds of conversations? Um, and I think as early as you start um, making plans for the future with each other, and by that, I don't mean like the next date. I mean, when you start to see this, uh, the, the people in your polycule as, as being part of your life, you know, into the indefinite future. And so, you know, you don't start off with the conversation about buying a house together or anything <laughs> like that. You start about, you know, it, it, it probably starts with a conversation about, you know, how you pay for dates and, um, you know, whether you do want to live together in the future. So I think you would work your way up gradually. And also, you know, I know that she mentioned milestones, but one of the things that the polyamory community in general is really good about is not seeing things as the re relationship escalator. Right. We don't have to progress, um, you know, to a particular point or go in a particular order. Maybe it makes sense as in a season of your life to live together. And then after that, it doesn't make sense. And that mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything bad about your relationship. Um, and I think having your eyes open to the fact that, you know, your relationship is going to change and not necessarily all in a particular direction, I think is really helpful for our community. I, from what I'm hearing, it sounds a lot like um, these are these are good steps for someone who maybe identifies as. Um, one of my someone who's looking to build that life someone who is kind of on that escalator but like you said we're not we're not all on that escalator and this is um this might throw you off a little bit but let's let's see let's see how we can roll with this uh talking about solo polyam folks so i'm kind of leaning towards that now i was married um technically still am but don't live together anymore uh i have another partner and you know i kind of having trouble seeing myself living with anybody again so as a solo polyam person who you know i might have this partner for a long time i'm you know still technically married and my wife you know my wife and i we still care a lot about each other uh so i expect her to be around for a long time what are some protections that I should be thinking about as a solo polyam person. Mm -hmm. So in your situation, and you know, I'm not giving you legal advice because first sure, of all, sure. I, you're in California and I'm in Texas and I can really only talk authoritatively about Texas law. But you know, if you were coming to me in Texas and asking what uh, what you might do, you might look at some sort of agreement with your wife that you're separated from, just spelling out that you're you're each living your separate lives, having your separate finances, and you would probably want to talk to a California attorney mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that you were doing everything legally as far as that separation. And then you and the partner that you're currently with, maybe you want to take trips together. You're not going to live together, but you want to go out and do things together. And so you could set up a, a shared bank account. Mm -hmm. And so that might be a way that you would mingle things legally. Um, 
or if you if you go into a business venture together, a lot of people do that is yeah. poly partners, they go into a business venture together. So that would be something that you would, you know, want to spell out in an agreement. I love that. Yeah. And coming from a business background, uh, it doesn't strike me as anything that much different from any other business agreement. Is there anything that you can think of that might be a little bit different specifically to poly as opposed to like, if I just get three or four buddies of mine and we're going to build a business together? <laughs> well, I, I think that people, you know, the, the answer that you might hear from a lot of people is, oh, you know, relationships are different because people are really involved and they care more. But I've worked with folks who form businesses together too. And that's also can be a really emotional bond as well mm -hmm. as a financial one. And so I think while there may be different considerations between you and your buddies setting up a business and you and your polycule setting something up, um, you know, the process is going to look pretty much the same. Process is going to look pretty much the same. Legal uh, protections look about the same. It's just really like the emotions and actual relationship, like personal relationships in that sense. Right. And some poly folks do decide that they're going to set up a trust or they're going to have a corporation that's going to be like the legal entity that they use to do to do family stuff. Mm -hmm. So like if they want to buy a house together, they might set up one of these legal entities and all the members of the polycule are part of that family. Um, and they use the, the corporation or the trust to get things done. Now this isn't like the first thing that I recommend is this, this is like, you know, if you're going to buy property together or if you have a, you know, a lot of wealth that you want to be managing, that's, that's, kind of on that end. Most people don't need to form a trust or a corporation to get their family business done. Got it. Most people, you say most people don't need to do that. No. Um, and, and, you know, so as a business person, you know, that it comes with responsibilities and tax liabilities and there, mm -hmm. there are kind of complicating factors that most families don't need to get their stuff accomplished, but it is one vehicle to get things done as a poly family. Got it. Okay. Okay. So it's not necessarily that you have to do it that way. It's just one of the many options. Cool. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the some of those personal stories. I love those personal stories. And these personal stories, though, are more related to, you know, the work that you do protecting poly families. Um, when it comes to multiple partners partners coming together more than more than two right because we have two we get a marriage cool when it comes to more than two people coming together and creating like something in the terms and the likes of a civil union um can you tell me about a time when you helped somebody set that up and yeah just i, I kind of want to know what the process is there if we have a third or fourth whatever person entering into this kind of domestic agreement. Right. So, you know, in Texas, three partner marriage, in fact, in the United States, as far as I know, there's no place that allows more than two people to get married. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. is, um, there are some options for domestic partnerships in a couple of places, um, you know, towns in Massachusetts, I believe. Mm -hmm. So there is that domestic partnership option there. So when people come to me, they may have already had 
an informal ceremony. And, um, and essentially, I'll ask them what their priorities are. A lot of times, if they have kiddos, the kiddos are the priority. Um, so they want the the non-biological parent to be able to interact with school stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which may be as simple as just naming them on the pickup card, you know, an informal thing. Um, but they may want a legal document that allows a, lo- a non-parent to do things like enroll them in school or take them to the doctors or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's somebody with, I think you said that one of your former guests had like 12 kids in the household. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a lot. Yep. Um, so, you know, that may be their priority. If they're on the older end of the spectrum, a lot of folks want to talk about wills and, mm-hmm. you know, what happens when I, when I pass away, I want to make sure that both my partners are taken care of the one that I'm legally married to and the one that I'm ceremonial married to. Right. Um, so that's, that's a big focus. Um, and especially with COVID and, you know, hospital visitation being so limited, yeah. the medical power of attorney is a big deal. Um, and like in my personal case, you know, I have, I have a lot of supportive family. I'm married. The person that I named as my agent for my medical power of attorney is my partner. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons is because he's really good at making decisions under pressure. Like that should be your person. (laughs) But also since he's not legally family, if something terrible happened to me, this gets him into the room to hear the discussion with the doctors. They'll talk to my kids, they'll talk to my Uh, husband, no matter who's on the MPOA, but having Andy named as my agent means that he gets to be in with the family when the doctors are giving them the options. That is so super smart. That's okay. I like that. So that's that's a strategy that definitely people can use. So if you're married to one partner and the other partner is important enough and and you know has that much significance in your life that you want them there in that worst case scenario, naming them. You said NPOA, what is that? That's the medical power of attorney. Medi- Sorry, no, I'm oh, to do law speak. No, that's that okay. <laughs> that's all right. I know yeah. I'm sure you said it and and it's just me being, you know, a little bit slow. Uh but <laughs> MPOA, medical power of attorney, that's that's the way to get them in. Um there was another thing, another possible option when it comes to merging multiple people into a single family. Uh one that stood out to me is adult adoption. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about that? And how does that work in terms of bringing people in as, as one poly family? Well, and I have not actually seen this in the polyamorous context in practice, but this is something that was apparently pretty common before um, same-sex marriage was legal. So the LGBTQ folks to make sure that their partner could inherit or, um, you know, that had, they had legal rights when Mm -hmm. they couldn't get married. Um, They would occasionally enter into an adult adoption relationship, which means that, you know, the the inheritance could happen. Uh, It, it it gets weird when gay marriage gets legal, 
mm-hmm. because then you know some of the, I, I have seen stories where some folks are trying to get unadopted so that they could get married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know okay. you never know what's going to happen with poly folks. So this might not be your first choice, but <laughs> if you again, it's like it's an option, and I, I like people to know what is possible out there mm-hmm. so that then they can decide whether is this thing right for me. Yeah. You you mentioned inheritance. Um are there other reasons if I uh, if I adopt a partner, does that get them into the medical room with everybody as well? It it makes you legally family. And so and all the rights and responsibilities that go along with being family. And so that that's how that has been used. And and don't get me wrong, like that's not the only reason that people adopt adults. Sometimes they're just adults that they they genuinely are bringing into the family to be their their children, even though they're no longer under eighteen. Um, but this is a way that you can can build a family. It is another option. Um, are there any besides the one that you mentioned, if it's a partner and and they want to later on get married now, that's, you know, now that uh, (laughs) the marriage is legal, I guess if they ever make uh, multiple person marriages legal, then we'll have to unadopt and try and make that happen. But (laughs) yeah. And to be clear, like not every judge is going to go along with this. I mean, that, that, that was a problem for the LGBTQ folks too, is that a judge has to sign off on any adoption. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, they're, there are some judges and some areas that that would not approve an adoption. That was really, um, you know, just a way to uh, legally bind partners together. So again, this like this is not like the thing that I'm recommending. This is just a way that people have found that they can legally bind their family together. Got it. So I guess that that is kind of what uh, what I'm digging for here is ways to legally bind family together. Now, the MPOA doesn't necessarily legally bind anybody. It just gives them the authority to be there in case of any uh, medical decisions being made. The adult adoption is an option, but it has to be approved by the judge and it won't always be. Right. And the bad news is that without without some sort of marriage thing, that essentially we're trying to take all the pieces of of marriage and put them together um, in alternate ways. So there mm-hmm. isn't right now, there is not a way to just be married in a, a polycule. Um, but you can you can take some of those marriage rights and assign them through documents like the medical power of attorney and or like a will you can you can deal with the inheritance stuff by willing your mm-hmm. property to your family um and so we're we're basically just kind of making the best that we can out of the tools that we have and some some benefits of marriage are just not going to be available um social security benefits you can't mm-hmm. just designate to somebody that you care about um so we we do what we can with what with the tools that we have. I wanted to ask you also about medical benefits. Those can't get transferred easily either, right? Uh, it's my understanding that in areas where the domestic partnership is is a thing that they that may be one of the benefits 
that mm-hmm. they have, um, but I'm not super familiar with that. So, you know, that would be one of the benefits of having a, an official domestic partnership. Got it. And of course, we'd have to, it, it would be state dependent, right? As Correct. Well. And in, in the cases that it exists, I think it's actually city dependent. Oh. So, yeah. So it's, it's like an ordinance for that city. Um, so it's very, very local. Very, very local. Big picture stuff. I mean, it's, these are, these are the things that I think, uh, you know, our community wants to address, wants to challenge, uh, wants to make changes about, um, I don't know. I, I, I keep coming back to this and, and like wondering how as a community we can come together to start affecting these changes. Have you ever been involved in any kind of activism? Um, I, I'm, I'm dipping my toe in the water. I, I've, uh, attended some stuff. The Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition uh, is a new organization that um, that I'm following. What they're doing, they're trying to make things legally better for folks in the polyamory and other non-traditional families, um, make improvements in the legal status. So they're doing that. And part of my outreach here with you is just to to raise a profile of, you know, what we can do. And even, even in cases where we don't have legal documents or legal standing, um, sometimes starting with those just interpersonal agreements, the agreements between Mm -hmm. you and me and our community, that's a great place to start with activism is right here at home. Can you tell me a little bit about that coalition and kind of some of the things that uh, they're working on, y'all are working on? Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm not a member. I'm just a, a follower. But um, but yeah, they were instrumental in the uh, domestic partnership work um, in Massachusetts. And I believe they helped draft some of the language um, of the, the ordinance. Nice. Um, legal drafting is hard and it's easy to, to make something that you think says what you want it to do and then it doesn't. So having people who are really working on making sure that the language really helps people legally who are in polyamorous and other non-traditional families, like that's really important work. Nice. And what was the name of it one more time? It's the Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. And they're (laughs) co-sponsored by the the Harvard LGBT folks. And um, so, and they're, they're brand new. So I'm really looking forward to what they're doing and hoping to, you know, help participate in their good works. From what you know, I'm not asking you to be a spokesperson or for them or anything like that. You know, disclaimer, uh, Stacey is not a spokesperson. Uh, for pla, I'm calling them pla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but um, where was I going with that? Oh, uh, do you know that if is it only open to attorneys, or is this like something that a lot of people are getting involved in? Um, it's my understanding that they're actively seeking folks uh, with stories that they're willing to share about um, having experienced dis- discrimination as a polyamorous or non-traditional folks. Um, and the way that I found out about them is that they sent out a, a media training opportunity so that if you have the chance to tell your story, 
that, um, first of all, you make sure that it's safe to tell your story mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, how to share your story without getting too tongue tied if you're not a media person. So, um, so that's how I found out about them. And they are, it's my understanding that they, they're seeking folks with those stories so that they can help share, like, these are the problems that real poly folks face. And, you know, here's how we're trying to help them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that uh, we got a chance to talk and kind of go over that because that is something that has been uh, on my heart personally. It's something that I want to, you know, look look more deeply into and see, you know, how I can get involved, how I can get our community involved and, um, you know, see, see where we can th take things, see what we can do about the future, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Stacy, just like last time, been so much fun and super enlightening, super insightful. Uh, I love learning from you. And uh, I want to give you a, an opportunity once again to uh, tell the community if they want to work with you, if they want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way is that they can go to my website. Um, it's scrolling across the bottom of the screen, chosenfamilylawtx.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at Chosen Family Law TX. And um, I, I would be happy to answer any questions that didn't make the show. Awesome. Speaking of, is there any questions that I missed? Any other information that you'd like to uh, leave with our audience? Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I just wanted to say thank you for doing this. And I, I love the fact that your show is, is starting with the premise that we're, you know, we're all imperfect people just doing the best that we can and trying to do it better every day. Yep. Me too. Me too. As, as your host, just trying to be better every day. Oh, uh, speaking of, I'm just going to personal story and kind of where that, that difference came from. Uh, I started listening to uh, Kevin Patterson's uh, Love's Not Colorblind. That's Today, a great book. It is fantastic. And uh, the theme that keeps sticking out to me, the, the, the thing that I keep hearing in my head is that if I'm not being actively inclusionary, I'm being passively exclusionary. And so uh, those words are just like ringing loud in my ears right now. And um, I want to make more of an effort to be more inclusionary. So uh, this season of the show is almost all booked out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end it uh, on October 31st. Then I'm going to take a three month break. I'm going to be, I'm not going to do shows November, uh, December and January, but my plan is my goal is for next season, uh, February 1st through October 31st. My goal is to have the opposite of what my Instagram looks like right now. Uh, I want a bunch of POCs, on the show, I want to be talking, you know, almost exclusively, not totally exclusively, but, you know, I want to be actively inclusive of POCs. So that's that's the goal for next season. Anyway, me just being silly and sharing things. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. It's really important. And we're, we're all learning to do better. That's it. That's it. All right, Stacy. Well, thank you so very much again for uh, hanging out with me. And thank you as always to our 
live audience for tuning in today. Uh, as a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live right here, Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is you download your podcast, uh, if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. Really, really appreciate it. That is all we've got for everybody today. Thank you all. As always, don't forget to have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash